Welcome back. We are in week four of this series, which is called Who Am I? And so far we've talked about who, who we are in different situations, who you are when no one believes in you, when it feels like that, like how David uh, believed strongly that God would use him to fight Goliath, to defeat Goliath, but no one else believed that. And people kept trying to mold him into what they wanted to be. They were like, get out of here, you're a kid, and those types of things. And just what that feels like, and yet how he didn't let it stop him, didn't let any of it stop him, because he focused on God and what he believed in him, the faith that he felt, the strength that he felt. Uh, we spoke about Daniel and how he was faced with this difficult decision, and there were all kinds of, of different things he could have chosen. It wasn't just, uh, do I do this or not? It's, how do I do this? When do I do this? What does it look like? And, and so he continued to worship God exactly as he had been, and he refused to worship the king and just how God delivered him from that, and how it helped, and, and the impact of that helped other people, and people saw who he was because he had stood up, because he, he showed who he was in that moment. And then last week, we talked about the temptation that, that Jesus faced when the devil came and, and went through all of these different scriptures and all of these different things to try to, to convince him to take power, to convince him to rescue himself, to convince him of all of these things. And each time, Jesus answered with scripture of himself. Jesus answered uh, with his faith, with his strength, with, with the fact that God would be there, that God is above all of that. And so what I want to do this week, and we're calling it after, I want to talk about who you are after you've made the wrong decision, after you've messed up. Because I would love to say that once you become a Christian, then everything's perfect from then on. Uh, you'll never say the wrong thing again. You'll never do the wrong thing again. Uh, nothing bad will ever happen because of you, whatever. Uh, now, our goal should definitely be to try to live that way, to do our absolute best. But there will be times where you mess up. There will be times where you lie to mom or dad, and then you realize, wait a second, I, I'm not supposed to do this, or I can't believe I did this, I wasn't thinking about it, and then you have to ask for forgiveness, uh, or you have to make a decision. There will be times where you do something dumb. And again, and I'm always careful when I talk about this, because sometimes when people hear that, like, oh, you mean I'm not perfect, and so there will be times where I mess up, they kind of can use that as a justification, like I'll do whatever I want and then worry about forgiveness later. That's stupid, and when you do that, you're kind of living dangerously. What I'm saying is you're doing your best every day to be like Jesus. You're doing your best to, to live in the right way, and then sometimes you're going to mess up. And so I want to talk about who you are after that. And I want to go to one of my favorite characters, and each of these has in a way been one of those, uh, and that's Peter. And this is right around, well, this is exactly the time Jesus is on the, cr the cross. So Luke 22, 54 through 62. So they arrested him, Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. Now, on its own, like if there were no context other than this paragraph, uh, I think most people would be like, man, that's, that's shady. Like, that's kind of messed up. But, but, you know, it's a scary situation. It's a dangerous situation. Maybe he's planning to... to try to free Jesus. Maybe he's planning to do this. And so they wouldn't really necessarily judge him for that. But when you look back just, just a little bit before this, right when Jesus was arrested, uh, Peter literally took out his sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. He was so willing to fight for him, so willing to die for him in that moment. What in the world changed for him 
to the point where Jesus is being taken to the cross. Jesus is being arrested and humiliated and, and made fun of and all of these things. And, and somebody goes, hey, do you know him? Aren't you one of his followers? This is the chance of a lifetime for Peter. Like, this is what he had talked about for all three years. He had been like, uh, Jesus, you know, I absolutely will be the rock of the church. I absolutely will follow you. I absolutely will, will, will take the reins. I will do everything you've called me to do. And he meant it. And then when he's faced with this, this moment where uh, someone says, hey, this is one of Jesus' followers. He makes the bad choice. He makes the wrong choice. And he says, I don't know him. Now, there is a way to look at this to where he was facing kind of a crisis of faith. Uh, I don't mean that he wasn't believing. I don't mean that, that he was changing what he felt, who he was. But uh, as I've said before, the, the general idea of the Messiah and all of the prophecies and what the Jewish believers felt, even what the disciples felt, because they were Jewish at the time, uh, was that the Messiah would be a kind of warrior king and that he would take charge of everything and make a kingdom on earth. And even though for three years Jesus basically said over and over again, the kingdom of God is in heaven, the kingdom of God is, is above us and we will go there, we will be there together, uh, it's, it's hard to kind of really grasp that, even for us and especially in these times when it's kind of the first times these words are being said. And so when he tried to fight for Jesus... In his mind, he wasn't thinking, I'm going to mess up and I'm going to go be violent and I'm going to go against our teachings. He's thinking, this is the moment. Like, the Messiah is going to take charge. We're supposed to take out Rome and I'm going to be a part of it. And, and then now, everything that he had thought in that realm, everything that he'd thought to that point, has kind of shifted. Now, Jesus made no uh, excuse about what was going to happen. Like, he said several times, I'm going to die. Like, they're going to kill me. And so, again, he knew, but how many times... Does someone say something is going to happen? And then until it happens, we're kind of like, yeah, sure, okay. Um, and so Peter, in a way, didn't feel like he knew him. And so all of that kind of goes into, not at justification here, but this all happened really fast. Like he's still processing everything that has happened, everything that he had done, everything that was going on to Jesus, everything that was coming down the pike. And so it happened so fast that you can almost just say, well, yeah, okay, let's see what he does next. And so let's see what he does next. Um, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. So as you see, if you know this, and hopefully you do, uh, shortly before this, Jesus basically said, well, officially said, uh, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter was, of course, Peter. And he's like, no way, I would never do that. And so again, after the first time, it all happened so fast and so many things are going through his mind that he made a mistake. Uh, he, he, it veers into bad choice. One of the things that I kind of try to avoid is saying mistake. Now, we do make mistakes, but a lot of times when we screw up, we're making a choice. Like we know what we're doing and mistake kind of eases that for us. And it's like, oh, you know, I tripped and accidentally stole that candy bar. Or, you know, hey, I had no idea that, that lying to my parents was wrong. Or I had no idea that stealing that money was wrong. It was a mistake. Now, those things obviously are just bad choices. Not something that should condemn you for life because you're not who you are, who you're not one decision you make, but they're things that we have to own up for. And so Peter in that moment, 
Again, he made a choice, but in a way, because of the, the heat of the moment, because of everything, uh, it can be written off as, eh, you know, he, he just kind of said the first thing that popped out. But then, the second time, he's had time to think about it. He's realized that, oh man, you know, I messed up. I shouldn't have said that. I should have been honest. And somebody else asked, and he's like, no, no, no. I have no idea who he is. And then somebody else asked, no, no, no. So he's doubled and tripled down on doing the wrong thing, on going against what he believes, on going against what he even promised Jesus he wouldn't do. And then he realizes, because the rooster crows, and, and Jesus looks at him and he's like, oh, oh man, I've done this. Like, I've done the worst thing imaginable. Because to him, who had given up his entire life to follow Jesus, who had walked away from fishing, who had walked away from friends, family, whatever else, to follow Jesus, who believed so strongly that he was willing to die for him, willing to fight for him, for him to throw all of that away in a moment is the worst possible thing he could have done. Now, most of us would be like, well, there are way worse things he could have done. But for him to say, I don't know Jesus, when his entire life had been about knowing Jesus and telling others to know Jesus, is a huge thing. And so in that moment, he runs away crying, and he's upset, and he's scared, and he knows that he's messed up big. He knows that he's made bad choices. He knows that he's sinned. He knows that he's hurt people. He knows everything. And he knows further that Jesus is basically about to die. And, and he, in his humanness, Peter in his humanness, doesn't know if he'll ever have the chance to make up for it. So he's hurt. And, and so that's where we get to the question, who are you after you mess up? Because you have in your life, all of us have in, in our lives. I know that it's hard to believe, but I have even messed up in my life. It's crazy. Uh, but, but maybe not Rob, but most of us have. But we all have those moments where we have to choose how do I come back from this? Like, what do I do? Uh, I, I've used as examples, like on temptation and stuff. What if uh, one of your friends wants to cheat off you or you have, haven't studied and, you know, it's been a legit reason, like maybe somebody in your family was injured or sick and, and you know, it wasn't somebody close enough that you could get out of school, but, but it was somebody that really mattered to you and, and it really affected your life and so you didn't have time to study and it's just this one test. It's just this one homework assignment. And so if you get through that, then you'll be okay. You can do it all on your own again. And so you cheat in that moment. Now, again, that doesn't define who you are. But who are you after that? Who are you after that? Do you say, hey, I got away with it. It's all good. Or, or do you say, man, I shouldn't have done this. I know that I did something wrong, so I have to go talk to mom and dad. I have to go do this. Now, that's a scary, scary thing. Because when you're trying to, quote unquote, make up for something, when you're admitting to doing wrong, you're admitting to doing wrong. And that's very hard. For some people, it's even hard to pray about some of the sins that they've done because it's like, man, uh, I have to admit to this. And then that makes it real. And so when you have to go to your mom or your dad or your teacher or, or a friend, whatever, and tell them, hey, I did this. We all fear like this, this shame. We all fear not just our own guilt, but we all fear that they're going to walk away and say, you're worthless now. And I think most of us wouldn't do that to someone else. But for us, it's like, well, yeah, I'm I only allowed to mess up once. For me, this is probably what I struggle with the most. Uh, when I mess up, and not even in a sin way, just when I do something that's not perfect, when I say the wrong thing in a message, or I, I uh, skip ahead on a scripture line, or I... I get scammed or something like that. Like when something happens, 
I blame myself so heavily and so fully that it's hard for me to move on. Now, I don't be like, this is who I am now. I'm going to keep doing these bad things. I'm going to keep making different choices. I'm going to stop being a Christian. I continue to worship. I continue to, to teach, to try to help people. I continue to be who I am. It does not affect my faith or, or, or how I live, but I hate myself so deeply that I basically punish myself for weeks, months, years sometimes. And, and that is not good either. Uh, it's something that I deal with. It's something that I struggle with. But that's not good either. Nor is it good to be like, well, I've messed up once. So now I have a license to keep doing this. And then later on, you know, when I'm out of high school, then I'll ask for forgiveness and I'll admit everything I've done. But that quickly becomes, well, you know what? College is starting and, and I might still want to do this. I might still want to party. I might still want to hang out. I might still want to sneak out or, or lie or steal or whatever. And so I'll just wait until college is over. I'll wait until then because then I'm an official adult and, you know, I can actually be arrested and, and tried as an adult, and so that's dangerous, and so then I'll change. Then everything will go back, and I'll go to church, and I'll be okay, but then that comes, and you're like, I'm still pretty young. Like, you know, I still uh, have to live my life, and, you know, God understands. Like, I, I, I need to do what I do. Uh, I need to be who I am, and so then you're like, well, when I get married, then I'll settle down, and everything will really change, but then you get married, and it's like, well, when I have a kid, then I want to raise the kid right. And then you have a kid, and it's like, well, when they're in school, well, when they're out of high school, and it keeps going and going and going, that's the danger of not owning up to what you've done, even if it's something small. Now, that is a bad way to go, too, just like the way that I just said where I'm, I'm punishing myself, yet still doing what's right, punishing myself so hard. And so we see in Peter this immediate feeling of just defeat. And that's okay because in that moment, after you've screwed up, after you've made a bad choice, after you've done something wrong, you're going to feel that. And that's when you have to really decide who you are. That's one of the, the most defining moments because that is going to set up other moments to decide who you are along the way. And so for Peter... He went back to being a fisherman. He didn't stop believing. Uh, he, he didn't stop talking to the disciples. And, and I don't know how his life would have unfolded. Uh, I don't know how much he witnessed during those days until Jesus came back. Uh, it, it doesn't really focus on him. I would imagine that he didn't hide from it. But I also would imagine that he wasn't going into synagogues and just screaming it out. So he was fishing and he was figuring things out, and he was scared. And then we get to John 21, 7 through 17, and this is after Jesus has returned, after resurrection. Then the disciple Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed on the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards offshore. Uh, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Now, this is an awesome little uh, paragraph, and I think most of us are like, yeah, that's who Peter is. But even though he may not have consciously thought it, as soon as he realized that was Jesus, he had a choice on what he was going to do after. Because the last time he saw Jesus was him saying, I don't know him. The last time he saw Jesus was him messing up, him making a bad decision, him changing his mind about something and then regretting it. And so he had a choice right then about who he is after that. He could have said, I don't think it is. I'm going to stay with the boat. You guys go check. And then he could have like really fretted and worried about it and been like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, he could have ran the other way. And we were like, that's insane. That's not who Peter is. But people can do really stupid things 
when we have to admit that we're wrong. Uh, this may shock you, but if you've ever been on the internet or social media, it's very hard for people to admit that they're wrong. Uh, and so you will see like lines and lines of arguments where neither side is necessarily right, but both of them are just digging in and they don't even say, wait, we're both wrong here. Two plus two is four, not five or six or whatever, or something serious. And, and it's, it's because it's so hard for us as people to admit that, that we're wrong to admit that we could do something wrong, that that often is the moment that people start to change. And so Peter could have done that. And yet what he did was, even though he still felt the guilt probably and still felt the shame and still felt the worry, even though he's maybe a part of him was like, man, what if Jesus turns me away? It didn't matter because it was still Jesus. And so he ran to him. He ran to him. And, and so that shows that no matter what he had done, he was still who he said he was. Uh, no matter what he had, had been guilty of, he still believed strongly that there was more to him. Maybe he didn't think he was worth it anymore. Maybe he didn't think he'd ever be redeemed, but he believed in Jesus, and so he ran to him. That's so important for us. And it, it, it has to be scary sometimes to admit when you're wrong. It has to be scary to face consequences. All of that is scary. But you are so worth that. And the people that love you, they're still going to love you when you mess up. Because I've got uh, mom and dad's cover your ears. I've got bad news for you. Your parents have screwed up in their lives too. I, I promise you, except Terry, who like told me that Lena can't listen to that part. But, but it's like they have messed up before too. And so they may still get upset and they may still punish you. But I guarantee that they're not going to cut you out of their life. They're not going to say, well, you've messed up. You're worthless now. They're going to say, hey, you know what? This is why this is bad. And they'll talk to you. And you have to talk to them calmly too. And you build something from that. And I'm not saying go right after this is over and ask your parents every single time they've messed up. Don't do that. That's stupid too. But what I'm saying is understand that they're human. And they understand that you are. And when they punish you, it's not to make you feel bad. It's to teach you that there are consequences. Because somebody in their life punished them and taught them that there are consequences. And even though it sucks and none of us wants to be punished, if you ever go through your, if you ever know somebody who goes through their entire lives without ever facing consequences, without ever being told that they're wrong, without ever being told that, that maybe they're doing the wrong thing, maybe they're not going about it the right way, well, that type of person would probably have like an hour-long special to say that they're going to the Miami Heat instead of Cleveland and think that they're better than Jordan. And that's ridiculous because they have yes-men around them all of the time. And we've all seen people like that who... who even when they mess up, they can't deal with it because everybody else tells them that they're right. And so even though we don't want to be punished, we don't want to be told that, that we're wrong, it's good to learn from that. And so Peter, even though he didn't want to hear Jesus say, you know, you've screwed up, dude, like you really hurt me. He knew that it was better for him to go to him still. And so we're going to the next part. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, uh, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served the bread and the fish. This is the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So again, this is a, a scary moment for Peter. And so he was quick 
to go and do something for Jesus. Like he hadn't had the conversation yet. And so Jesus is like, hey, we need to get the fish. Peter's like, I'll do it. So maybe you have been at home and you've broken a vase or the cookie jar or you ate the cake that you're not supposed to eat or something that you've done that's kind of small or big, whatever it is, and your parents don't know yet. And so they're like, hey, you know what? I really need somebody to take the garbage out. You're running to the garbage can, even though you've never done it before in your life. And you're taking it out. I don't actually know how taking the garbage out works, apparently. I don't think you take the can. Or uh, they're like, man, you know what? The house is really dirty. You're running and grabbing a dustpan and a broom or, or something. And, and it's like when you have messed up and you're holding that before you have that talk, before you face up, you're like doing everything you can to try to look good. We all do that. We all have, have dealt with that. And so that's kind of what Peter is doing here. Uh, he hasn't talked to Jesus about what had happened. He hasn't said, can you forgive me? He's just like, I'm going to go get the fish. Like, I'm going to do everything I can. And yet he's not running away. He's still there. He's dreading probably the talk. He's dreading probably the consequences. But he is still there in that moment. And we go to the end of this scripture. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In this moment, uh, it's, it's so amazing. If you've ever watched a, a good movie, like a movie that is well done, something like, let's say, Back to the Future, um, you can have like Doc and Marty talk to each other, and I'm old apparently, but you can have Doc and Marty talk to each other in the beginning, and you can have them say all of these things. Like Marty could have walked in, and if you've never seen this, pause and go see it and then come back. But actually, well, it's PG. And so like uh, if, if Marty could have walked in and said, hey Doc, my name's Marty McFly. You know this because we've hung out for the last three months and I know you as a family friend. I've been in some of your classes or I've talked to you. Uh, I'm very interested in science, but my family's having a lot of trouble. And Doc could have said, yeah, I'm having some trouble with the Libyans and I, I'm kind of working on time travel and I don't know how it's going to affect people. It may affect Polaroids. It may affect actual people. It may affect dogs, like all of these different things. And they could have done that and some movies do that, some TV shows do that. They're called not great ones. And, and you would have immediately understood because they literally laid it out. But instead, they walk in, they kind of hang out. Uh, the dog travels in time, and then it's okay. And you realize, oh, this is Back to the Future. is about time travel, which if you didn't know that going in, yeah. And so it's what my point is, like Jesus could have held Peter and said, I know that on your heart, you're really struggling with this. And I know that you're embarrassed, and I know you don't want anybody else to even know what you've done. And I know that you're hurt and you're scared, but uh, if you ask me for, for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. He could have done that, and that wouldn't have been wrong. It, it would have been very easy. But what he did was give Peter the chance to make up for it in a different way by simply saying, yes, I love you. Uh, Jesus didn't embarrass him. He didn't bring it up. He didn't say, hey, Peter, remember when you lied about me three times? Remember when you denied me? Remember when you pretended to forget who I am? He didn't shame him in front of all of his friends, in front of everybody else. He said, hey, do you love me? A normal question. And Peter's like, yes, of course. And he's probably, his heart's leaping. He's like, oh, he's forgotten or he doesn't know or this is okay. And then the second time, he's like, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I do, of course. And then the third time it says that Peter was hurt because he's probably like, man, he's not sure anymore because he knows what I did. And so he's having to ask me, but I do, Lord, I do. And then after this, 
And you see in the way Peter taught and the way he led after this, like the boldness, the faith, everything. After this, he probably stopped and he's like, oh, wait, he, he asked me three times if I love him because I denied him three times. He, he helped me to make up for it without making me feel stupid. Like, this is awesome. Wow, I feel good. And he took that because Jesus didn't shame him. He didn't guilt him. He didn't make him feel stupid. He said, hey, you messed up. What are you going to do now? Who are you now? And so Peter said, I am someone who loves you. You are going to mess up. Again, don't use that as an excuse, but you are going to. So are you going to be the type of person after that who continually uh, doubles and triples and, and quadruples down on it and lies to cover it up and steals to cover it up or whatever? Like what David did when he committed adultery. He lied. He committed murder and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. Are you going to be that to where your whole life you're like man, I hope nobody from church ever sees me out in the world because I'm hiding who I am. Or I hope nobody from the world ever comes to church and sees me because I'm hiding who I am. Uh, or are you going to be like Peter here and say, oh, I screwed up and, and allow someone to give you that grace. It is so important to understand that we are not perfect. And again, this is something I struggle with, which is ridiculous because I also am the first to say I'm not perfect. And it's the dichotomy of my mind. Congratulations. And yet it's so important that we show others grace, that we sometimes forget it's equally important that we show ourselves grace. And I'm preaching to myself as much as you guys. Uh, maybe even more because I can't actually see you. I just assume that you're there. But it's so important that we take this lesson, that when we've screwed up, when we've messed up, whether it's big or little, that we first talk to Jesus about it, and second, talk to your parents, your teacher, whoever, and, and say, Instead of being like, ah, you know what, this is your fault, this is their fault, this is why this happened, this is who caused me to do this. Simply say, I messed up and this is what I did. And this is why and this is how I feel. And then allow them to help you through it. Allow them to listen. Allow them to show you grace. Because who you are when you mess up is not who you are. Who you are after that helps you to determine that. And I've said this each week, but we are not defined by one decision, by two decisions. We're defined by who, what decisions we make over a course of our life, over the course of our entire life, over and over and over again. And yeah, one decision affects the next decision, etc. And so it is very important when you're in the moment of temptation, when you're in the moment of people not believing in you, when you're in the moment of, of having to make a choice for, for moral things, uh, that you, you do your best to choose right. But if you ever don't, it's important that you don't say, well, I can never do it again. It's important that you say, okay, I've messed up, but I still love Jesus and I'm still going to do my best from here. And so you accept the consequences and it sucks sometimes, but you accept them. And then you learn from them, learn from other people's mistakes, but learn from your mistakes as well. And like Peter from this moment, he accepted that grace that Jesus showed him. And, and from then on, he was the leader that Jesus always believed he could be. He could have spent his entire life talking about that one time he messed up. But he talked about the time that Jesus gave him forgiveness. He talked about who he was and how he's not perfect, but how Jesus loved him so much and he loved Jesus so much and he helped so many people because of that. You are not the mistakes that you've made. You are not anything that, that people define you as. But you are a child of God, and we're going to talk about that more next week. And so when you mess up, when, when you're hurt, when you do something wrong, when you say something wrong, don't let that become who you are. Don't let other people make it be who you are. Stand up and say, you know what? 
I am going to be bigger than this and this is not going to defeat me. This is not going to change me. I am going to be strong and I'm going to learn from this. And each time you fall down, allow other people to help you stand back up and look to Jesus and say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but you are and I'm going to do my best to be like you. And that's literally all that you can do is admit when you are wrong and then do your best to not do that again. Just continue to, to do your best each day. And if you are doing your best each day and you're always giving credit and glory and, and love to Jesus and all of that is happening, then you're doing the right thing. You're not going to be perfect, but you are serving someone whose love for you is. So keep doing that. Keep going forward and keep believing that you are worth it. That's all I got.